You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to Season 2, Episode Number 8 of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the beautiful Banff, Alberta. And once again, just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. What's up today, Derminator? Not too much, brother. Just kind of embracing the dreary weather, getting ready for winter. How about yourself? Oh, we are... Sorry about that. Clear the throat. We're already in one when it comes to winter. Uh, I think today is going to be like a high of minus 13. So uh, we actually finally just got a good dumping again here. Haven't had much snow. So I'm excited for that fresh pow. Now uh, I could, you know, go hit the hills on the day offs and enjoy a bit of uh, boarding. So I'm pumped for that. I'd rather have the minus 13 consistently versus what we've got right now where we're in that month and a half of it's going to be minus eight overnight, maybe in the morning and then after supper, but throughout the day, it's going to be about 10 degrees and just make everything wet. And then it freezes overnight. It's just such a shit show. Oh yeah. It's, it's like the worst when you're in that, uh, in between, uh, it's like, give me one or give me the other, uh, and don't mix it up. Cause you know, it's, it's kind of gross out there when, when that happens, especially when the snow starts falling and then you get the freezing, you get the melting and it just, it becomes shit conditions. Right. Like pick a fucking season. Is it fall or winter? Yeah. Pick, pick a fucking season, bro. Um, yeah. What's new? Shit. Nothing. Just working, watching hockey. Nice. Uh, same here. Been trying to watch as much as possible. Um, got put on a lot of afternoon shifts this week and by a lot i mean every single one uh so it's been tough to watch these cracking games but my goodness durham what a week it was for the kraken absolutely sweeping the pacific division rivals this week and uh starting things off with a huge game against the san jose sharks a record-setting game if you may yeah the first time the team's ever scored eight goals in a game and also the first team they've beaten four times 
Yeah, so a lot of new things happening. Um, that even includes Beneers getting his career high in points in a game as well. Uh, so it was just full of all kinds of records and uh, a ton of goals. It was an 8-5 victory against the San Jose Sharks in this one. And uh, just impressive. A lot of goals, man. It was a back-and-forth battle. Yeah, and it was kind of nice to see them definitely come out on top there, especially when they get scored on first, which is, you know, kind of been not the way the Kraken play this year. Usually they're the ones getting the first one, it seems. Yeah, we've seen uh, the first goal getting scored just shy of five minutes into this game. Uh, point shot from San Jose gets tipped out in front by their captain, Logan Couture. That put them up one nothing. Yeah, that's something the Kraken have been so good at this year is they kind of run the little half cycle there and then they find the point and then throw it to the net for a tip from the forwards. But this time it was just completely used against them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, San Jose would get into some penalty trouble and the Kraken would find themselves on a nice five on three power play and they would uh, get a goal there. Yeah, Burakovsky's going to get the pass from the far side and walk in just looking like Jared McCann on his off or on his strong wing coming down full head of steam and wires at glove side. Yeah, wires it right glove side. And then, like we said, penalty trouble. But this time it was for the Kraken and they would be shorthanded on San Jose would get a four on three uh, just before the first period ended and they would put themselves back up by a goal. Yeah, Carlson, that was a nice one-touch pass back through the middle of the ice there, eh? Yeah, uh, if you're Jonesy on that one, not a whole lot you can do about it. A couple tic-tac-toe plays, Carlson right across, and Timo Meyer was able to put that top shelf on Jones. Yeah, and especially a four-on-three situation, like that's something you don't practice a whole lot. So who really cares that that one went in? You're not going to fault the penalty killers much. No, not at all. But uh, we'd turn into the second period where there wasn't a whole lot more penalties, but what there was was a whole lot more goals. And uh, Matty Beneers taking things into his own hands, driving uh, the right side of the ice there and is able to just drive all the way behind the net. And as he's about to go behind the net, he feeds a nice pass out front and it gets buried and that would tie the game right up. Yeah, it was nice to see Dunn there. You know, he's the guy who starts the pass with or starts the play with a nice pass up to Beneers and then follows it up. And he actually finishes the plat the pass off from Beneers. So nice little really long give and go, I guess you could say. Yeah, very nice. Uh, it was very nice to see him drive all the way up the uh to the net like that and just realize there wasn't another forward attacking. So he decided to jump up in that play and it paid off and uh the Kraken tied the game on that one. Yeah, and then they get another one too. A quick recovery off of an initial crack and turnover. Sprong's going to find Donato all alone in front. And with time, he just deeks the shit out of Kacken in there. Yeah, he has that extra second there to make a make a split decision on what where he wants to put that puck in front of the net. And again, it was a similar play, right? Just coming behind the net, finds an open man in front. Donato's able to take that extra second. He buries it. That would put the Kraken up by a goal. Then remember when I said the Kraken were really good at kind of owning the half wall, cycling it a bit, finding the point, and then getting backdoor passes? I do recall you saying this, yeah. Well, that's exactly what they're going to do here again when Burakovsky's going to own the wall, find the D for a slap pass there, Alexiak on the backdoor. 
Yeah, that he was wide open, and there was a it was a delayed penalty on that play too. So they had they had the extra man out, and I think that's what created some of that space for Alexiak. And good to see him too, because he was back in the lineup after you know uh, taking a few games off from injury. So he was back in the lineup in this one, and he finds the score sheet. So right back to his old ways, at least for this season for the big rig. Right, the man plays around both paints, offense and defense. Yeah, offense and defense. And uh, like we said, it was a bit of a back-and-forth game. Uh, San Jose, they uh, end up having a, a puck come bouncing to them in their own zone. They fling it up the ice. Uh, Timo Meyer is absolutely taken off the other way. He's able to take an extra second, walk into the zone, and he's able to snipe one over the glove of Jones. That was another uh, beautiful shot by Timo Meyer there. Yeah, he's having a pretty good season for San Jose, both him and Carlson. Yeah, uh, those two have definitely been leading the way uh, for that hockey team. No doubt about it. And there wasn't going to be much for the rest of the second period there. Just a couple chances for both teams. But once we get to the third, holy shit. Just They saved everything for the third here, it looks like. And there's been a lot of goals already. Yeah, no kidding. Seven goals heading into the third period. And once again, we'd see another point shot from San Jose just a minute in. And it was Barabanov, uh, number 94 out there, who is able to just tip one. And again, it just goes top shelf, perfectly placed tip. Another really tough one to stop as a goaltender. And even though getting scored on in the first minute of a period sucks, the Kraken don't let it weigh them down because they're going to fire right back just a couple minutes later with a turnover in the danger zone for the Sharks and then a quick pass to a trailing Bjorkstrand, and he's going to also decacking it out just like Donato did earlier. All alone out front, and Bjorkstrand finds himself back on the board. It was his first goal since uh the first week of the season so you know he's been snake bitten when it comes to scoring goals uh but it's nice to see him back on the board and what a beautiful backhander that was just a deke out kakinen like you said and put it upstairs that would give the kraken back the lead in the hockey game and then just a minute after that, they're going to expand on that lead when Beneers carries it through the middle, dishes it in a three-on-two to Burakovsky, and he's going to find Schwartz trailing across the middle there, and he's going to rip the top corner. Yeah, he absolutely snipes this one, just uh, takes that extra second, finds his spot, and how about all these beautiful goals from the crack in this year? They're just getting, they're finding the zone, they're getting in there. They have they have numbers, and they're just ripping these shots and picking their pockets, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I think the most important difference in their offense from last year to this year is they're a little bit more comfortable holding on to the puck, and the D are jumping in a lot more. Like, even on this one here, I think it was Alexiak. It was him or Larson, one of those two. They had come straight up through the middle and opened up the lane for Schwartz to cut across and get that pass. Like, you see yeah, how integral yeah. it is. Exactly. And that's all they're doing. And it was Larson on this play. They got four guys driving that zone really hard. All Larson is doing is driving the net and bringing in those defense and making them collapse into their goaltender. And that's what opened up Schwartz for that for that goal right there. And he he had that extra second to snipe it. It's uh, it's it's just beautiful hockey. Oh, it's perfect. Exactly what you want to see from a playoff team. Yeah, and uh, like we said, the goals kept coming, and San Jose wasn't done. Uh, they were able to break into the zone and score another one. 
and put themselves back within another goal in this period. Yeah, Meyer's going to get the Hattie there. They're going to feel good. You know, we're within a goal, guys. And then Matty Beneers says, no, 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 no. We're not done yet, but you guys might be. He's going to get his sixth of the year and put the Kraken up too. And again, it's another play where you see Eberle driving that far post and he kind of sucks in the defender there and that helps open up Matty Beneers and he has all day to snipe this one and he's coming in with just electrifying speed. And not only was the speed electrifying, how about the Sally on that one? He almost lost the bucket in the celebration. You could tell he was fired up for that one. It's got that young kid energy just full of piss and vinegar. Yeah, and uh, the San Jose Sharks, they kept pressing, but Jonesy was not having it anymore. He was not giving up any more goals in this game. And how about the double pad stack save from him with four minutes left in the game? Uh, throws up the pads and absolutely robs the San Jose Sharks, and that was it for them. There was no way they were scoring after that save. No, everyone saw that save, which was just disgusting, by the way. Like, that reminded me of Marty Berdur on SportsCenter Top 10 when I was growing up as a kid. It's like, oh, oh, oh that buddy. was identical to Marty Broder there. Absolutely perfect save, too. Just just showing off at that point. Um, and then, you know, the, the Kraken would end, finally end the game. 34 seconds left. They'd put in the empty netter there by Schwartzy, getting his second of the game. And uh, the Kraken coming home with a huge victory. Like we said, 8-5, record setting. Pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. Sure, I'm like everyone's going to go, oh, they got scored on five times. Shut up. They scored eight. Who cares? Yeah, eight goals. And not only that, um, shout out to San Jose because they're uh, they're paying Jonesy. 1.6 million to not play for the Sharks this year. And uh, it's certainly paying off for the Kraken. Let's just say that. Man, that's got to be like my, I mean, totally off topic here, but that's got to be like my favorite line in a sports movie is from Moneyball when he's talking to the pitcher that they got that's bought out by the team they're about to play. And he's like, oh, you're paying me whatever, 1.5 million or some shit like that to pitch for you and he goes yeah well those guys are paying you four and a half million to pitch against them so what do you think about that <laughs> yeah dude honestly sick movie love that movie that's uh just sports movies are just so good that one's right up there man it was it was fantastic oh that was phenomenal um, but the Kraken weren't done there, Durham, because uh, they would get to go into Vegas and put up a huge W. And it was Grubauer's first game back after being, you know, put on LTIR earlier in the season. And he picks up a huge first win of the season. And he does it in the uh, the nice bucket that he was wearing, the Hockey Fights Cancer Bucket, too. Uh, what a huge game for him. Yeah, huge game for him, a huge game for the team. Like, everyone knew this was an important one, just banded together. They got Grubauer's first W of the year, like you said, and obviously if Grubauer got the W, so did Seattle, and that's their first win against Vegas. Not just yeah, in Vegas, against Vegas. Against Vegas. Uh, that was huge because I believe it was their sixth try in their franchise so to finally break that seal open and not only that 
it becomes even bigger when that's the team they're officially chasing for first place in the division and to pick up these two points uh, is just huge timing for them to get it done right now and brings them pretty close to becoming uh, uh, close to to tying or not, if not passing this Vegas team who has been on fire to start the year for first place in the division. It certainly helps. Well, four points behind, two games in hand. Getting this win in regulation was massive for the Kraken. It it certainly was. And like you said, it was uh, an all-out team performance in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's how can you not when they keep it down to just 22 shots against, right? Yeah, only 22 shots against in this one. Uh, that's pretty impressive, especially when you're going into Vegas playing in their barn. That's a tough place to go play. Yeah, I mean, sure, the penalty kill got scored on the only time it was out there, but whatever. The penalty kill has not really been great the last couple of weeks, and they're still finding ways to win hockey games, which exactly. is exactly what you want to hear. Even the great teams can play bad and still find ways to win. A hundred percent. And it was, it was the crack and getting the first goal in this one. Larson puts a bomb on net, gets stopped out in front, kind of bounces off maybe a body there. There was a lot of traffic and Bjorkstrand burying his second in as many games. Uh, good to see him continue to, to score goals and put up after his big goal drought. Bjorkstrand. I thought it was Donato. Oh, that's right. My bad. Donato getting that one out front. <laughs> uh, totally bad on my part. I was thinking it was uh, Bjorkstrand there, but no, Donato was the one. Uh, I think Bjorkstrand might have sallied harder than Donato, to be honest. He did. It screwed me up, too, because I had to sit there and watch the replay, and I'm like, who the fuck scored? Yeah, and then you see Donato bad. behind Crouch down, and I was like, okay, there he is. Yeah, no, that was my bad. Uh, that's kind of what happens sometimes. I didn't get to watch this one because of all these uh, late afternoon shifts. So my bad on that one. It was Donato scoring that goal. But then the Kraken kept scoring. And again, they would they would get into the zone. You'd see Larson pinching down. You'd see four guys in the zone all pinching towards the net. And then the puck gets dropped back to Burakovsky. He has time again. And instead of making a pass, ends up going for that shot. And it pays off and puts the Kraken up 2 nothing. He had so much time there. It almost was too much where you start panicking going, oh, shit, what do I do? Yeah, and that's a, that's a real thing. Like, having too much time. Like, you almost do just uh, almost have too many thoughts going on and end up kind of making a bad play but he kept it simple uh just threw it on net he's got that lethal shot and i think he went five hole there on uh aiden hill fuck yeah i think you're right there but not so many people don't understand how much of just a muscle memory game this is you got to just train yourself to know what to do in specific situations and when you got time to look around and think like that exactly what you're saying too many thoughts yeah, exactly. It's a real thing. And then, like you said, uh, you know, Vegas would get their their power play of the game. Uh, they would end up scoring on it, and uh, not too bad of a goal, I guess. It was a little tip in out front, hits off Grubauer, and he just wasn't able to get the rebound on the play. Yeah, nice little slap pass to the insta tip there. Yeah. And then the goals weren't done, too. They were still coming for Vegas. And Phil, the thrill of anyone, is able to just get a, a loose puck from, from Petrangelo there. And he just 
you know, wax at it and it gets past Grubauer and it would just, it was a tie game after that. Yeah. Feel the thrill. Like you said, just, you know, good luck there from all his times in the casino just pops right out to him. And he finds a way to slap that sucker home. I could not believe it just found a way through all the bodies far side there. Yeah, it was a bit of an interesting one. It almost looked like a broken play, but at the end of the day, Phil's the first one to kind of get a stick on it, and it just so happens to go in there. Yeah, and then that's kind of it for this that period there, and then we're going to get into the second, and that's where the Kraken are going to just take over this hockey game. Alexiak, Alexiak excuse me, is going to jump in, pinch the puck down low, real low like below the goal line then he's gonna post up and find burakovsky high and almost like identical gonna have a bit of time and just wire it past hill yeah another beautiful goal from burakovsky but great play from the big rig to just drive the zone like he said he gets right down low behind the goal line uh just spins finds burakovsky right away too he's uh all alone and has that extra time and Snipes his second of the game, putting the Kraken back up in this hockey game. And then speaking of putting the Kraken up, how about Eberle just putting the boys on his back, just showing off the hands the last couple weeks, hasn't he? This is, I'm not kidding, uh, the most impressive-looking Eberle we've seen since, uh, I mean, the argument is maybe for the Islanders in playoffs, or I'd throw it all the way back to his days in Edmonton because – Yep. This looks like a vintage Jordan Eberle as of recently, and his confidence is skyrocketing. And you could see it by the way he's been uh, handling the puck out there and throwing the dangles around. What a disgusting way to get to the front of the net and then bury his own rebound on this play. Great goal from Ebbs. Yeah, this is definitely a revitalized Jordan Eberle. I was, as you were saying that, I'm like, ooh, is he gonna just go straight to Edmonton but no you drop the Islanders in the playoffs and I was like that's a man who watches Jordan Eberle he knows yeah uh, and when you know well you know you gotta watch you gotta keep up with all playoff hockey and I remember just how good this guy was for the Islanders uh, in back-to-back seasons and just how clutch he was and that's always been part of Eberle's game you know he's not a point per game guy but when the moment's big he usually comes up big himself yeah, there's get you there guys and get you through guys. And the, you're very lucky if you have one that can do both, but Eberly is absolutely a get you through. Exactly. And he will get through a lot of guys when he's throwing nasty toe drags like that around him. Holy Jesus. The guy's just got silky mitts. Right? Like, who the hell was going to stop that? Nobody on Vegas. No, and they certainly didn't. And that would be it for goal scoring in the game. Uh, the Kraken pretty much just held out in that third period and uh, kept things tight, shut the door. Like you said, they only had 22 shots against in this game. Uh, and shout out to Grubauer for just keeping things solid through the final 20 minutes of this hockey game. Exactly. In his first game back, keeping the composure against, you know, a hard division rival, right? And he was there for the boys, the ba- strong backbone all game back there. It's Beauty. just nice too, like to see that big win from him in his first game back. Uh, like it doesn't get any bigger and talk about being thrown into uh, the deep end, right? Having to face one of the NHL's hottest teams, and then your team comes up and puts out a performance like that in front of you, and then you shut the door along the way, just speaks to the character of this hockey team and just how good they've been playing so far. Right? Like, 
hey, we could give you two of the worst teams in the NHL this week and our team's playing disgusting and the other team that we play is like fourth in the league, but you're going to play the team that's fourth in the league for your first game back. Yeah, and he made it look easy as ever. It comes away with a big W, and that's what we really need to to show, too, that we could run with two strong goalies, have a 1A, 1B style going forward, because uh, that's kind of seemed to be the case. Yeah, and I think that's when, if you look at the last couple years, probably last five, that's where a lot of teams have most of their success, is being able to run a good tandem. It's kind of rare now to have a guy play your 65 games. Yeah, exactly. And you could tell that was really their plan heading into their first, uh, you know, their their inaugural season last year uh, with trying to run with Grubauer and Drieger. But uh, of course, it, it's, you know, potentially going to get done this year with Jonesy and Grubauer. And uh, that's going to be huge for this hockey team to have two goalies who can get it done night in and night out. It's going to make real interesting conversation when Drieger does come back. For sure. That's going to be the most interesting thing. And especially if this team keeps going the way they are, they're going to be buyers at the deadline. Uh, not so sure exactly what they'll improve. If they do anything, it might be on that back end. But so far, things are looking pretty solid. Maybe they add some scoring depth and, and add to their bottom six. But I can't see them changing a whole lot more other than that, Durham. I think they, they're pretty happy to run with the players they have. So time will tell. And maybe there's a deal in place with uh, with Drieger when that time comes. But that's going to be a hard gamble for another team to take on that contract without knowing where his health is, too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens in the next couple months. Big time. Uh, but let's move on to that third and final game they played this week, which happened just last night. A big 5-4 win on the road against the Ducks. Jonesy was in net for this one again. Yeah, it's his fourth straight win and his second time this year with four straight. Fantastic. Yeah, and another huge game for Matty Beneers. Uh, his second three-point game of his career and both of them happening in the same week. The guy was hot this week, wasn't he? Yeah, you might say he was like the player to watch this week. Yeah, we might, hint, hint, might be getting into that a little bit later. But let's go into this one because the Kraken opened up the scoring pretty early in the game. A nice pass, a nice play right off a face-off draw. And uh, Jordan Eberle finding Jared McCann and just making it look easy, slotting that one in. Yeah, they're going to run the set play off the Ozone draw there. Pretty interesting to get the Ozone draw 30 seconds into the game too. Yeah, and nice little drag, too, by McCann. Uh, kind of skating backwards into into the goalie there and then, you know, does the little half turn and just tucks it in. That was a silky goal. And then just about five and a half, oh, sorry, six and a half minutes later there, Larson's going to get a pass to Burakovsky, who's going to tip it to Wenberg backdoor, and that was just silky looking, eh? It was disgusting, and I don't think anyone knew that Burakovsky, who was so wide open, both D draw right over to him, and he just does a simple one-touch play as he draws both defenders towards him and just leaves the next guy just, just wide open to tap that puck in there for Wenberg. That was just disgusting. Yeah, he wanted it to Burakovsky as soon as he started backpedaling across the center. He's like, give me the puck. He knew what was going to happen the whole time. 
Yeah, big time. And then, like we kind of talked about, that power play has not been, or the the penalty kill has not been that strong for the Kraken. And it did bite them this game. And that was the big reason why this game ended up being so close. And Anaheim did take advantage of that in this one. Yeah, this is the one game where you could actually have a gripe with the penalty kill because it almost cost them points. And, well, possibly not the extra point or point two points, but... You know, it's starting to hurt their game where they could start having the low goals against, tightening up the D, getting good goal differential. It's something they're certainly going to have to clean up. And uh, they would let in a bit of a weak one just from Troy Terry being able to pick up the puck behind the net. And he kind of takes a step out front without being challenged much and uh, is able to just kind of sneak it through Jones' legs there and goes five hole. And that would put the, the Anaheim Ducks within a goal. But then down in the last minute of this period here, we're going to have a nice big ozone cycle for the boys. It's going to suck a couple ducks in and Bjorkstrand's going to find Dunn who just walks in with time and wires it top cheddar. What is with the ability for this Kraken team to find so much time open in the slot in these last three games when you look at all these goals? Like, there is no way a defenseman should ever be able to walk in when you're in the ozone like that and have that much time to make your shot. And and uh, what Don do, does just that, and he picks his shot, and that would put the Kraken up by two goals right before the period ends. But what a shot by Vince Dunn. Yeah, it was a little weird to see both Anaheim defensemen kind of just part the sea for him and just leave the middle of the ice. Absolutely parted the the open sea there down the middle. And yeah, they, I mean, I mean, what a play. I mean, Don just coming in aggressively and you couldn't pick a better shot top shelf in the corner like that, like the way he did. No, but unfortunately, as great a finish as they had, they're going to have just as sloppy as a start to the second period here when, you know, puck gets stuck on that wall there on a rim and then Anaheim's able to just kind of throw it to the net. They take a shot and the rebound comes right to Derek Grant, who he's going to smack it home for his second of the year. Yeah, like you said, things were getting a little sloppy in the ozone there. Susie, uh, you know, tried to break it out, kind of fumbles a puck, turns over, ends up being a goal against uh vibes were a little off in this second period eh yeah just uh not exactly what you'd want to see like you had a good strong 3-1 seattle period and then here you're gonna have a strong 3-1 anaheim period like what the hell yeah yeah it was uh the tables were a little bit turned in it but you know they would end up burying uh that rebounder on the power play from guess who yeah maddie Beneers able to dish in that junk on gibson and uh that would give him back their two goal lead but then again it was uh that penalty kill that hurt him for the rest of that second period yeah here you're gonna have mctavish on the power play on a play that just looked exactly like schwartz had a chance earlier you know nice cross ice pass on the one-timer on Fortunately, Schwartz's did not go in, and here McTavish's does. Yeah, just too much open space, uh, especially through the, the middle of the slot there. Just didn't have enough active sticks, and then you can't blame Jonesy on that one. He he almost came across and made that save, but uh, the look on McTavish's face after he scored that one, he looked pretty l- relieved. Yeah, he was happy for that one to go in. Yeah, and then before the end of the second period, once again, we'd see another power play goal for Anaheim. And again, it's just another play where they bring the puck below the red line, dish it out to um, 
Adam Henrique, who's just in that slot. And again, just uh, not enough pressure on the guy in front there. And he's able to just bury that one. And that would bring the score to 4-4. They tie the game up going into that third period. Yeah, that's kind of a tough spot because you want to have pressure and not just let the guy have puck space back below the goal line in, you know, old Gretzky's office. So the D go to collapse to him, but as soon as they go to collapse, he just dishes it to the guy that they just left out front. Kind of a tough yeah. look. You got to have someone stay until you've got your coverage to t- cover you, and then you go. Exactly, especially when all all four guys are you know within ten feet of your own net, and no one picks up that one guy who's also uh, right there beside your net. Uh, you got to have somebody at least taking that away if you're going to pinch down that that low. But um, it'll be okay because they had a pretty big third period here, Durham. Yeah, just about four minutes in there. Sprong's going to collect a mishandle from the Anaheim defenseman. And, oh, he's just going to walk in and pull it to his backhand, outweight Gibson there, tuck it into the empty cage, and then kind of chuckle to himself as Gibson gets run over by his own defenseman. Yeah, you see a couple defensemen. One crash tries to crash to the net to make the save. One crashes into their own goalie, hurts Gibson. Um, but ding-dong Daniel Sprong on the goal like that, almost looking like Jordan Eberle with a bit of that toe drag to bring it to the backhand and and just fool everybody on that play. Seen him give a little bit of a taunt to the crowd too as he scored that one. Obviously, you know, he played a little bit of time in Anaheim. So, you know, that was a big goal for Daniel Sprong to score. And, and, and you know, he enjoyed that one in his old building. Yeah, he's definitely getting a bit of his confidence and swagger back this year, eh? He certainly is, and you could tell it's doing great for his confidence being on this Seattle team. Even if he's not picking up as much ice time as maybe he'd like to, he seems to be uh, finding ways to get on the scoreboard and and score huge goals. And just like this one, the game-winning goal of the game. So, uh, you know, that helps his team sweep all three games of the week and continue uh, trending up. And what a week it was for the crack in Durham. Holy hell. Did they score a lot of goals and they scored a lot of nice goals. Right. I mean, how can you possibly complain about a week where they scored 17 goals and probably could have won a couple games on just the nice ones alone? No kidding. Right. Uh, there shouldn't be any complaints at all. Like we talked about, maybe cleaning up some of the penalty kill, but that's something they can work on going forward. And the biggest thing is it hasn't severely cost them yet. So they still have uh, the opportunity to clean those things up uh, going forward. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, like you said, in a couple months, what they look like. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, And heading into next week here, I guess tomorrow they start off with uh, next week's game. And again, they have another road game here, finishing off their road trip against the LA Kings, who took a loss against Ottawa last night and have been losing a lot recently, haven't they? Yeah, they're definitely losing their hold on a playoff spot. You know, looking at lost four of their last six going into that Ottawa game. So now five of their last seven. And this is a perfect time to create some room from Seattle and the rest of the division here. Yeah, big time because there hasn't really been a third team to step up and be as competitive as, 
you know, the Kraken and Vegas have been. So this is a team where they could take advantage of when they're in a bit of a skid right here and continue their dominance against the division to uh, pick up a big win against LA. And like you said, create more of that space in the rest of the division and just make it a bit more comfy for the Kraken. Exactly. There's only room for one California or well, one good Pacific team on the West coast. It ain't going to be LA. I agree, baby. And uh, what do you got for this one? Because they've they've had some good success against LA. They seem to play them play them well, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out again. If it's uh, going to be high scoring like we've seen recently, or do things start to get tightened up a bit and we have a low scoring affair? Five one. Five one, cracking. I like it. Um, the interesting thing is. Are we sticking with Jones after his two games where he let in, uh, you know, nine goals in two games? Do you think Grubauer gets another shot right away after just shutting the door on Vegas and only allowing two? Yeah, I think he plays either L.A. or Washington. He's got to play one of those two games. Yeah, I think so, too. And let's get into it then. Uh, Thursday, December 1st, we're back at home. Climate Pledge Arena looking to take down the Caps. And this is a team who is just, you know, kind of floating with their head above water to stay competitive right now at the start of the season, though they have been dealing with their injuries. um, But they're still a pretty good hockey team. Yeah, this is a team that definitely needs their injured players to return, though. 11th in the conference, they're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10, and it doesn't get ber- better the further back you go. Kemper, Ovechkin, and Kuznetsov are kind of, you know, helping the team tread, wide, tread water here, but they definitely need Wilson, Backstrom, Oshie. They need the big boys back. They do. They really do. Or else this team is looking at uh, missing playoffs for the first time uh, since, what, 2008? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'd say I think it's around there. I, I mean, they may have missed it one other time throughout. I can't I can't exactly remember, but uh, them and Pittsburgh have been on a crazy, crazy streak of of making playoffs for a, for a while now. For almost two decades. Yeah, exactly. It's been pretty wild, to be honest. Um, So this is another opportunity to take advantage of a team. They have their injuries. They don't really have the depth in their lineup. Ovi, I mean, he's got 21 points in 23 games. But we also have a a guy who's who's outscoring, outpointing that. And that's Burkowski at 21 points in 21 games. And when you look at Ovi, he's a minus 14. So this is a guy who maybe hard to play against, but right now without having his proper line put together, uh, he doesn't look the greatest out there. And uh, he's obviously taken some, some minuses in games so far. Yeah. At even strength, this is a team that struggles like the capitals are obviously. So that's something that works well for us at even strength and our power play has been doing well. The only downfall is their power play is what saves them games and our penalty kill has not been great. Exactly. So I think this is a game where you have to be aware of special teams and trying to stay uh, out of the box in this one, because I think that's how you're going to find the most success against Washington. So if they're able to keep it where, you know, they're not getting in that box as much, uh, they're probably going to have some success and be able to come away with a good chance to get a win. I think it's possible. I think it's likely. Ooh, What do you got then? 
I will go. <laughs> I think it's going to be a 6-3 hockey game for the oh, Kraken. Oh, shit. The goals keep coming. I think this one's going to be a big, big first game back in uh, Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, the fans are going to be super, super loud, super pumped. They're going to be coming in uh, with another win streak heading on the line, and the Kraken are going to explode early in the first period. And I think they might let in a goal or two on the power play. But uh, other than that, I think they're going to come away with a steady win in this one. I agree with you on that. I think they're going to keep the win streak at home going. Yeah, and then they have another big home game against a team who uh, may be better than their record shows as of right now, and that's the Florida Panthers. But they'll be at home for this one. This should be a really fun hockey game to watch, though. Yeah, this should be a great game. Like you said, Florida's better than what their record shows, and Seattle, they got to keep the good times rolling at home, baby. By this point, assuming they win that Washington game, it'll be a team record four straight at home, looking to make it five against Florida, who are going to be at the end of a Western road trip, four games in five days, and without Barkov. I just heard on Twitter today, or I guess seen on Twitter, it doesn't talk. But yeah, Barkov's <laughs> not going to be there for the next few games, so perfect time to pounce on the Panthers. That's a big opportunity with Barkoff out of the lineup. I didn't know that he uh, he was going to be out. Uh, I was going to say, um, since returning, Ekblad's been pretty hot, but that's really going to hurt the Kraken team. Their best player is Barkov, and then I guess you, there, the argument there for Matthew Kachuk and Ekblad. Matthew Kachuk has been lights out for this hockey team as well, but uh, this is a perfect opportunity to be able to take advantage of this hockey team. Yeah, obviously, like you said, with Kachuk being lights out, the only player on the team with more than 19 points is Matthew Kachuk, and he's got 27. Yeah, uh, and that's huge, right? Like 27 points in 19 games for Matthew Kachuk. He is on fire since signing his huge deal and playing down in uh, the in Florida there. So this one should be an interesting one. And Durham, they've been a lot better well, the Kraken have been a lot better on the Saturday night game so far to start this season than they did last year. So let's keep that rolling as well, baby. Exactly. Let's keep it rolling at home. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do just that. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Durham, like we said last last podcast here we are going to talk and discuss about a couple world 
junior prospects that are in the Kraken system who, or <laughs> some Kraken prospects who might have a, tra- a shot here uh, in the World Juniors and making their uh, respective teams. Yeah, I threw together a little list here of guys who, you know, we think who have a good shot at invites. And then we listed, obviously, the guys who we think have a good shot at the team. And looking at these, we hope you like Canadians and Finns. Yeah, because that is what this list is heavy with. And let's start out with our number one prospect. That is Shane Wright, baby. Uh, And obviously, this guy has a shot to be on the team. No doubt about it. A shot at being on the team, Durham. This guy might be the leader of this team. And let's hope that's the case. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be one of the guys they rely on. Like He should be a nail in the top six. He's doing well on his AHL loan, four goals in three games, and he needs to carry that confidence to the World Junior stage where, you know, he's kind of not really, but sort of still is a returning forward. So this NHL experience should help, but I'd like to see what happens here. Let's talk about how important this start has been in the AHL for him. Four goals in three games so far. He's got another couple games that he's able to play uh, this upcoming week, I believe, starting in December. So he doesn't play for a few games here. So four goals in three games to start things off. He's looked pretty dynamite. He looks like he's playing with confidence down there. And I think that's the perfect start you wanted to have for a guy like Shane Wright after being sent down to the AHL. And I think that's going to bode well for his confidence, especially if he steps right into the World Juniors camp right after his AHL conditioning stint. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be perfectly timed. There might be like kind of a dead week in between. So I hope they throw him back into an NHL game if that does happen. But if he goes straight from AHL to World Juniors without a dead space, that'd be perfect. I I think so too. And the way it's going to be timed out is you usually have those about that camp is almost like two two weeks long, two and a half weeks long until that first game kind of takes place so there might be a little bit of dead time in there so it'll be interesting to see what happens with those uh with basically that one week uh in between uh you know is he going to be practicing with the kraken is he going to get into a game we'll see how that plays out but um what we're seeing out of him already in the ahl is certainly uh an exciting thing to see and a very positive one and if you're a kraken fan you got to be pretty happy yeah, you're definitely excited that it's not just been dud in pro hockey, right? Like went down to the A, got chances, was able to produce. Exactly. So what can we expect from him if he ends up, uh, you know, being a leader for this World Junior Team Canada team? I think he'll be a top six centerman, most likely second power play. Potential for first, but let's remember he is still just 18 and they've got a bunch of right-handed options coming back to play on that first unit. Bedard, Genther, Stan Coven. Like, those are some big-name guys in junior, too. Yeah, uh, and then who's the Columbus prospect there, too? I know I think he's a winger, but he's been... Dumais. been lights out, too. So, um, either way, he's going to have some fantastic wingers to play with. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who he gets paired up with and how he's utilized, but I expect him to be a big part of that that Team Canada World Junior team. And my goodness, 
Is it ever going to be stacked? And not only him, but we might be able to see um, a couple more Kraken prospects make this World Junior Canadian team. And who do we got uh, in the lineup for those roles? Well, I think the next two that have their best chance to make the Canadian World Junior team in order of best chance are going to be Jaeger Furcus and Ty Nelson. I love how you put in the Jaeger. Isn't it Jagger? I don't care. Jagger, Jagger Furcus. God, right? that guy is a, just a unbelievable dude. He's sick out there. One of the best names. Uh, one of the best hairdos out there too, eh? Just that red mane that he's rocking. Oh, it just looks beautiful. Missing tooth and the smile too. Yeah, it's a hockey skates, player. Skates around like the, the just like a uh, just a speedy rocket too. Maybe he's just the red rocket stallion, fucking just taking off everywhere. Um, but he's off to a pretty good start with Moose Jaw this year in the WHL, eh? Yeah, he's having a great start there. 14 goals, 31 points, 22 games. And you're thinking, yeah, that's great. That's just numbers. What the hell does that mean? Well, he's second among drafted skaters in the WHL for goals and points. Yeah, he certainly knows how to put it in the in the back of the net. And uh, this is a guy who could add some good scoring depth to this uh, world junior squad. And even if he's on, you know, one of the la the last two lines there and he's in the bottom six, uh, he could still make a lot of things happen. And uh, this is a guy to watch out for. He's certainly going to get an invite to camp, but he's going to have to make his way and prove it through camp to earn a spot on this roster because it is deep. Yeah. He's definitely not as of right now, I think in a position for a top six role, he's probably going to be a third line or 13th, 14th forward kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where I would slot him to kind of reminds me of Akil Thomas, kind of that 13th, 14th guy a couple of years back when they won. And then he steps in, ends up winning that, uh, scoring that big goal, you know, just a highly skilled guy, but didn't, you know, maybe doesn't have that secure spot in the lineup where he's maybe in and out of it. But, uh, you know, and maybe not that style where he fits on that fourth line, right? Well, he's definitely got some grit to his game, but he's just got such a small frame, right? Like, I think he's 5'9 and 160 pounds on a good day. Yeah, certainly doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, he has a bit of that grip, but not a whole lot of that size. Um, so we'll see the way this team gets put together. I know, you know, from our experience watching, it isn't uncommon to have a bit more of the toughness and a bit more size to be able to, you know, make it a harder game against some of these opponents and throw together a fourth line where you can make a shutdown line if you need to against some of these other top world junior teams. Exactly. Once you get to the national stage, it's not just like, yeah, I'm good, but okay, now there's four or five guys that are just as good as you, but they're twice as big. So they're going to probably get the fourth line role just because they have an added component that's not just skill. Exactly. And who, here's another prospect in the pipeline for the Kraken who can have an outside shot at making this team. It's going to be tougher considering the position he does play as a centerman, but that's David Goyetti out of the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL Durham. Yeah, he's got, I think, a pretty outside shot. It would be him and you could probably say Melanson might have, you know, invite chances but i don't really think they're gonna have that great of a shot at making the team just because of a all the center depth like you just mentioned for canada 
but also like we just brought up for Fergus, like this is kind of Goyette's um, boat too, like super skilled, not the biggest guy. So he's really only competing for two or three spots. And this probably isn't his year, but as an 18 year old, he's got another shot next year. Yeah. And he's been putting up some pretty good points this year, but you make a good point. Like these prospects right now, they're 18 years old. They all have a shot to be on the team next year. And uh, when you're looking at all the available players this year on the stack team, it's going to be really hard to make it, even though he is producing at a pretty high level right now in the OHL. He's you, no doubt he's going to get that invite to camp, I'm pretty sure. But uh, to crack the lineup, especially with how deep the centermen are going to be on this team, it's going to be really tough. He might be able to sneak in on a left-wing spot potentially, but uh, that'll be really tough for him to make this squad, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like we said, 18 years old, he's going to get a shot to do it next year, and that might be the time when he shines most. But uh, what, what do you think if he does where he's going to be in the lineup here? If he does make this team, he won't be in the lineup. He'll be an extra forward. That's what I think. Yeah, and not to bash, but that's just the real realisticness of, of the depth of this team. And 27 points in 21 games this year for Sudbury. They're not exactly the best team right now, but he's on pace for a good 45 goals this year, 87 points. So uh, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a year for him. There almost always seems to be one surprise forward at Team Canada camp, and this could be his year to do that. Like you said, Sudbury's not very good. He's still producing. I think they only have three NHL-drafted skaters on Sudbury. Yeah, uh, and that certainly plays a role, too. You surround him with some of these other elite prospects. Uh, he, you know, he could shine in in camp, so he has a good opportunity there. Um, but we have one D who could potentially make the team too. You want to give us who that is? Ty Nelson. You know, he's, he might have a bit of an outside shot as well. Pretty much everyone on this list is 18, right? So they've all got another shot next year. And you can also factor in just how many D are going to be returning for team Canada. They could probably make a world junior team of just WHL defenders and they'd be fine. Zellweger, Korchinski, Matejchuk, Lambos. Like, come on. I know. This is the first time I'm seeing a, this stacked of a back end on Team Canada where it's going to be such a big strength uh, that they're coming into this tournament just uh, just absolutely stacked up. So the chain, the odds are uh, you know, not in favor for Ty Nelson, but if they are looking for that second type of player to be a, an offensive guy to create, uh, they can certainly find that in Ty Nelson. Yeah, the only thing that might hurt a little bit more is I just read today that it sounds like Brant Clark is going to get loaned. So, whoops, there goes the right-handed D, you know, portion of it as well. Yeah, no kidding. And, uh, you know, by the looks of it, you know, how he's doing so far this year, an invite to camp is probably in the books for Ty Nelson, um, but I wouldn't be a betting man to say he cracks this lineup. No, I think he definitely deserves an invite to camp just with his hockey Canada history. And, you know, he's kind of a trying to strive to be a two way defenseman. He's a little undersized for what you'd want in a D five ten, but he's stocky. So 200 there, but leads his OHL team in points. 
Yeah, and that's no joke. North Bay Battalion leading his team in points. That is such a statement. So you have to give this guy a chance to see what he could do in camp. I mean, eight goals in 23 games as a defenseman. He, he that you know his career high the year before was nine in 66 games so he's on pace for 24 goals uh in 60 in the projected 68 games uh for north bay which is a ton for a defenseman so this guy certainly has a heck of a heavy shot from the back end and and maybe that's a certain weapon that you want to bring to the world juniors so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but ty nelson certainly looking like a really good pick for the kraken in last draft yeah, to get him in, I think it was the third round, looks like a fantastic pick. Oh, just fantastic to 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 get him in that spot right there. You certainly can't go wrong with that third round pick, 68th overall. Uh, just a heck of a pick right there. He looks like he's going to be, uh, you know, a heck of a, a prospect going forward. So be exciting to see. But Durham, let's turn the tides here. We got some fins to talk about, and we're not talking about shark fin soup here. So go ahead. No, you want to talk about a heck of a prospect? How about second round steal Yanni Nyman? How lights out could this guy be? And we're not talking about the best player on uh, the world on on, <laughs> on team Finland's world junior team. Holy spit it out, Ty! Jesus Christ! Um, but we're talking a guy who could maybe potentially has a good shot at potentially leading this world juniors. Uh, tournament and goals, Durham. What do you think about that? That'd be interesting one too, because like, what if from going from not even being on the team last year or in the summer there, I guess not last year, when a bunch of older guys were opting out, to now a bunch of Finn fans are projecting him like he has to be on the first line come this tournament. The guy's been killing it in the Liga. I think we touched on that earlier when we did our little prospect breakdown there, but just to put some numbers to it. He's leading the Liga in point, excuse me, in points per game among under 19 players. And when you bump it up to under 20, so the world junior stage limit or age limit, then he only drops to second, second in the entire Liga among under 20 scoring. Like that's pretty damn good. Yeah, that's uh, lights out. Who's first right now? Is it? I don't Nash? remember. It's not Camel. It's not. Oh, okay. I was wondering no. where Joachim Kemmel was because, you know, he was that he was that elite sniper, uh, elite finish sniper coming out of the draft last year. He ends up falling to Nashville. I don't know, 19th or something. I can't remember exactly where he went in the draft. But now all of a sudden you get Yanni Nyman who's stepping in and having a hell of a year playing in the like you said, playing in the league, playing within, in the men's league here and nine points in 18 games, six goals. That's a heck of a start for this player, you know, projected to get about 18 goals in 55 games for the Liga. Of course, he'll probably miss some games going to the world juniors, but to be on that type of pace at his age and where he came from in the draft, this is a hell of a steal. Exactly. Like you're looking at a guy who maybe you get to come over and play in the AHL next year and then could be on the Kraken at 20. Yeah, which is just insane uh, when you have a prospect like this coming up so quickly. Um, I'd like to see him uh, in North America as soon as possible, and hopefully after next season, even if he can't crack the, the lineup, 
uh, throw him in the AHL with the Firebirds, see what he could do down there, get him into that uh, North American game. And uh, that way, if you do need a call up, he's right there, ready to go. Exactly. And he gets used to playing in the North American ice. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting big things out of Yanni Nyman come this world juniors. Um, he, he, he looks like a stud player. I mean, he's got great size already too, for a guy who's just 18 years old, doesn't turn 19 until July 30th Durham. This is a young prospect still, um, six, three, 216 pounds. He's listed as, you know, shoots left, but plays that off wing on the right wing. Looking like a, an absolute stud, dude. Yeah, he looks like he's going to be an NHL player. It's just a matter of how soon. Exactly. And we have one more finished prospect here who uh, who might be willing to make the uh, team, might have the potential. And uh, you want to give us who that is? Niklas Koko, the Finnish goaltender. Yeah, and uh, do you think he has a shot at being... Uh, just like a backup goalie here what what do you project him as yeah i do think like if he makes the team it'll be a backup position you know finland's kind of got a wide open net this year and so far during exhibition play like the finns coach haven't brought any of their north american skaters over to play in like the five nations and any of those tournaments yet but having said that in those exhibition tournaments basically kako's gotten the lion's share of the starts now his stats for the Finland team haven't been that great, but in his games for Métis or in Métis for Hermes, he's been doing pretty well over there. 262 goals against average, 912 save percentage. And I mean, obviously someone's noticed that he's playing well if he's keep getting invited to Finland. Yeah, this is a, this is a guy who has that potential uh, by the sounds of it to potentially steal that crease for Finland. Uh, usually they're, they're very deep in net. But this year, it's not looking like they have the deepest uh, prospect pipeline in, in net. So this is an opportunity where the kid could could potentially take the reins here. Yeah, they're basically just looking for anyone to step up from that next age group or below and take the reins for Finland in the net this year. Exactly. And I wouldn't panic if it doesn't happen like 18 years old. Goalies take a while here. And again, he's going to be able to play in next year's tournament too. So even if he does make it as a backup, that's a great way to transition to, you know, have the opportunity to take the reins the following year. Yeah. The only worry about that is I don't think they have much in terms of 19 year olds. So it could be whatever tandem they have this year is the tandem they go with next year as well. Yeah, very true. That's a really good point to make. Um, but what are we now? We're 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 less than a month out from the opening game, so uh, that's exciting to to know that because you know without having the the chance to fly back home uh, this Christmas to visit family, my Christmas is going to be World Juniors, baby. Well, that's all my Christmas is every year. <laughs> Christmas yeah, doesn't count. I'm only for the World Juniors. It. Let's face it. It's it's World Juniors, baby. I I'm stoked to have this tournament back on track and back. Uh, where is it this year? I want to say it's out in Halifax. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, let me look this up. What is it? 2023. Jesus, eh? Yep. Yeah, the 2023 World, World Junior Hockey Championship. Halifax wow yeah that's going to be interesting so there's going to be a lot of uh, earlier games going on yeah call back to 20 years ago 
when it was there. I oh, yeah, it it's going to be electric. Yeah, it's going to be electric. It is 20 years. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's sick. Okay, moving on, though, Durham. Mm, stat of the week. Hit me. Oh, the boys are going to love this one. The ladies are going to love it just as much, too. Seattle, last season, 27 wins and 60 points. They so far this year have 13 wins and 29 points in only a quarter of the season, putting them on pace for 50 wins and 113 points. Holy shit. If that doesn't get your blood boiling, baby, I don't know what will. Oh, that is just liquid crack cocaine to drink down uh, right now uh, when you're saying those kind of stats. On pace for 50 fucking wins. Who would have thought that? I wouldn't have. I ain't going to lie. No, not a chance uh, in hell I would have either, uh, especially just in their second season. 50 wins. That's pretty crazy. Durham, I'll add on to it. Uh, The Kraken got their 13th. Last season, the Kraken got their 13th win in their 41st game of the season last year. That was the halfway point of the season they got win number 13 this year they got win number 13 in their 21st game of the season durham that's almost twice as good oh fuck let's get me twice as hard oh shit you should probably consult a doctor if it stays like that for more than four hours I probably should, um, but if I continue looking at these Kraken stats, I don't think I have any choice. It might just stay, to be honest. Well, if it's constant arousal, I don't think that Matt, I don't think that counts. Probably not. Uh, moving on, Durham. Enough with the yeah, sex talk here. Player of the week. This one, uh, if you keep naming off these stats, I don't know. This rager might not go away. Take it away. Well, this one was for once not a tough pick. We're going Matty Beneers. Kids on a four-game point streak and assist streak. Got his first career three-point game in game two of that streak. Sounds good, right? Well, it gets even better because in game four, he followed it up with his second three-point game and bringing his totals for the last week to seven points in three games. That's way fucking better than good. I'm going to shoot. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, Maddie Beneers has been lights out. Uh, like you said, seven points in three games, nine points in his last four games. This guy has just been a stud lately. He is absolutely trophy hunting for that Calder right now. And oh, I was gonna say, and they defeated his the guy he's going against, but they played Aiden Hill and not Logan Thompson. So, fucking never mind. I think they were afraid. They're afraid. Right. They didn't want, want to hurt his record. They didn't want Beneers embarrassing Logan Thompson and bringing him down the ranks right now. But if I had to pick a top three right now, Beneers, Thompson, and I'm going to go Jake Sanderson. That's who I was going to say is my third right now. Oof. I think those those are going to be the top three at the end of the year. And like we said before the season even started. You should have put your money in Beneers because those odds were absolutely fantastic uh, for a nice future bet on him. I think right after the draft, it was plus 900. And then right after training camp, it was plus 400. And I was like, oh, too bad I'm not a gambling man anymore because that's just easy money. 
Yeah, that is easy money. And same thing. Uh, as much as I'd like to, uh, right now, it hasn't been streaking too, too hard. So maybe, maybe I might have to dabble back into some, though, come the new year and uh, try out the luck again. I've only got so much room in my heart for hockey. And if I do gambling, fantasy hockey, playing and paying attention to other teams, then I'm going to just give something up so I can't gamble anymore. <laughs> just be prepared to kickstart the heart, baby. Molly Crew. Hey, there you go. I've seen any dirt. other, uh, <laughs> dude, it's bought a fantastic documentary that that shit gets me so fired up. Um, any other plans this week, bud? Nah. You? Uh, snowboard. Go out, grab some food. Haven't been out for a little bit. Go out night. Good night on the town in Banff, possibly. Uh, and then hockey, hockey, hockey. So life as usual. Yeah, life per usual. Try to stay warm because it's uh, getting stupid cold this week again. Yeah, I was a little chilly this morning. I'm like, I could put a coat on, and I'm like, ah, there's no snow on the ground yet. Yeah, a little chilly, my ass. It's going to be like minus 24 later tonight, so. I don't yeah. care. Chilly. <laughs> that's well, cold enough to put care. a coat on. It's cold if enough I... to put some fucking layers on, that's for sure. If I had a coat on this morning, I wouldn't have been chilly. Should probably, uh, you know, create the igloo, get that going again so we could keep the people up here in Canada warm. Gotta get the population high, yeah? Yeah, gotta cuddle up uh, with some seals uh, up north and, you know, eat some flubby rubber duck. I don't know. I don't know what I was going with that one. But uh, Durham, I have to go to work in like a half hour so. Uh, we're going to end things off here. Uh, that pretty much wraps up episode number eight. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Durham, for joining. And everyone, make sure to rate this episode five stars if you've enjoyed it. And stay tuned for episode nine when we get to talk more Kraken hockey and more Shane Wright updates, baby. So, Durham, let's get the puck out of here. And cheers, everybody. Peace.